Welcome to Lose the Gut Podcast. It's the only podcast you'll need to have the information to lose the gut and get asked the first time in your life. I can help you do this by teaching you through mindset, nutrition, and training because these are three core fundamentals that you'll need. So let's go dive into today's episode. All right, so welcome to Lose the Gut Podcast. We are talking about how to handle muscle soreness. Other than stretching, this is a question I got brought up. Actually, again, I think I actually did this either last week or two weeks ago itself. But I'm going to reiterate on this one. Also, probably touch on a little key points that I didn't touch on last time. Is it okay to have filler snacks in between meals like vegetables, celery, like peppers, etc.? Am I good to drink coffee in the morning? Is it maintaining proper weight? How much do arms respond not just to bicep and tricep training, but also to involve arm involvement, such as like back, where they also involve? So I actually really like the last question. I'm going to actually like it because I never answered it on this topics right any topics that i haven't really had for itself i care really like more and the ones that are more in-depth and more nuanced i personally like enjoy you know a little bit more because they're not talk about as where you don't really see them on social media or you don't really see them as often and it's just like small little things that i personally enjoy telling you about so i could share the little insights all right so how to handle muscle soreness other than stretching now some key points when it comes to muscle soreness it's going to be hydration. I'm going to say that's number one, right? If you're not properly hydrated itself, you're really sore. So that's any that day that you are working out, but also be the following day. So basically every single day itself, regardless, you definitely do want to be nice hydrated, right? Recommend pretty much three to four liters. I personally drink about like five to six just because I'm a lot. And if I do drink this much too, as well, there's no harm to it. That kind of aspects, the more active you are, the more conscious you need to be of your water insect, but this should be a bare minimum. Now, I used to not drink like any water pretty much like whatsoever and definitely affected my recovery. So what I meant by that was I never brought like a water bottle anywhere. Like this is when I was like, in school and such. So I never had a water bottle and then I guess sports and stuff. I would never bring a water bottle either. So only really go when I go to like the water fountain, right? And going to the water fountain is not a good thing because Typically, let's say the water bottle, it's like a subconscious thing where you kind of drink a lot more frequently versus if you don't have that water itself, then you have to physically walk up, go to water fountain, and that's probably not going to be nearly the same water intake, right? So you just kind of getting by when you're really, really thirsty versus watching your thirst or just drinking at ease to kind of fill up their mouth. Hopefully that makes sense. So with that being said, do you have any electrolytes? Electrolytes, I don't personally really touch them unless I do play like volleyball wise. Then I kind of use them on a little bit, and they kind of help in that aspect. But other than that, I don't touch them for anything. I think of sports, it's very great. I think for like gym wise, it's not as much of like a thing. So, with that being said, for our performance kind of based thing in regards to RT sports wise, and especially since a lot of sports, like if you're in the midfield, let's say playing hockey. Or like soccer or something that you can't really drink while you're there. Let's say on like in a gym setting, you do a set and drink water. You do another set and you drink water, right? So you don't have that delay where it's like, okay, in sports, you're out there in the field or you're playing for some amount of time. Maybe those times you kind of need to drink, but versus gym setting, it's like you do the set over there, you have it. You can cardio, you literally drink any time. So that's why I don't think the electrolytes are as important, especially for the weightlifting kind of setting or sports performance base because definitely kind of help improvements over there. Make sure. Yep, thank you. All right, cool. So I would say number one, yeah, most soreness hydration-wise. Number two, definitely protein intake because protein is what builds back that muscle, also helps recover. 
right? And the key one is leucine, right? So if you ever heard of BCAs, which is sold as a supplement, the highest one is leucine. That's the most important one because that triggers muscle protein synthesis. And while that is going to be like the precursor to being like, hey, muscles, let's repair growth. You don't have the leucine, you don't have that stimulus over there. And that's why also plant protein is not the best quality because it lacks that leucine. That makes sense. So that's number two when it comes to muscle poorness. Number three is proper recovery. And when proper recovery, I'm going to say regards to sleep-wise. Sleep-wise is very crucial. If you have a lack of sleep in terms of hours, but also B, lack of sleep in terms of maybe you have sleep apnea, which I do actually use a CPAP machine. Um, before I got to CPAP, I was like tired all the time still. But also once I got to CPAP, I definitely noticed my cover was better, less sore, less achy. Now, with that being said, that's why I say quality of sleep too as well, because despite, let's say I go to bed at 10 p.m., if I wake up at 6, that's a full 8. But if I had, let's say, sleeping disorder, like sleep apnea, and in reality, when you do sleep tests, which I got that done twice in my life now, first one back in like 2018, and I was, I think, waking up on average 22 times per hour, right? That's like those micro sleep apnea. And that's not really, really getting that eight hours, quote unquote, in there. She, I think, I can't remember the exact amount time of like deep sleep and that stuff but basically i'm gonna stress on the quality of sleep is very important too as well and even quality of sleep if you don't have a sleep disorder but you're just waking up first of the night to go pee or something like that maybe you have to tailor that and that's a little different topic but it's gonna affect overall your muscle soreness and that is the topic we're discussing over here so quality very important and also i do want to touch on one point is if you're highly stressed and you kind of wake up just right away in the morning itself i mean 4 a.m self or EM all the time. That's probably due to high stress. You may want to kind of sort that out. So ashwagandha helps, by the way. I personally take that. And also for muscle soreness wise, potassium is a very important one. And also getting enough salt to as well, kind of in general. If enough salt, also potassium, they can definitely help with the muscle soreness wise because those are the precursors in terms of muscle contraction. So a lot of people don't get enough potassium in their diet. And potassium is very high in foods like potatoes. Bananas are actually okay in potassium, but for gram per gram and calories wise, potato beats that by a long shot. So I always recommend potato in the diet and those definitely kind of help. So direct, direct rope cream and tartar is literally pure potassium, but I recommend those potatoes because uh, well, they're whole foods. They are long digesting and they got some good vitamins, also very, very high in potassium and do affiliate for love. So that's why I'm a big fan of potatoes, but sweet potatoes, yellow flesh potatoes, big fan of potatoes. All right. Like, so. Is it okay to have fill a snack and being mealed, like some celery, peppers, etc.? Well, I don't typically like to put these especially on people's plan or kind of recommend them just because it is more like the snacking aspect in terms of you're not really hungry, you're just snacking because you're bored. Like, let's just say you had a little 15 minute break, right? You're not actually hungry, like you could just not eat, but you're just filling in that gap to eat something. And that's why you grab those celeries and those peppers and all that. So that's why I don't, I'm not a fan of that kind of aspect, just because it's more of that action step of like, hey, this is actually, even the name of it, it's like a filler snack in there, not actual thought, I guess, in this case, a filler snack, I'm not sure if this person is like, okay, filler as in you fill me up, which is guaranteed not. But in terms of filler snack, we'll do this in terms of boardy. That's what I'm going to put it as. So that's just a bad hat getting with. Now, in a calories perspective, I don't really care. But in terms of like a habit perspective, I'd rather kind of get that out, have those whole big meals itself. Um, you just kind of follow those meals itself. 
So that way you're more adjusted to that one. And those habits in terms of that side of things are going to make a bigger difference, right? So let's just say you even got used to that filler meal knack itself when you just kind of bored eat. Let's just say when you have that happen, maybe someday, you know, okay, I don't have my celery peppers or let's say another day you come across, let's say staff room or something like that. We have donuts and other little cookies and stuff like that. And then you tend towards that and set your vegetables this time around. And that's going to also be a problem, right? So that's why I don't recommend these filler snacks. Now, in terms of like a habitual standpoint and overall progress, in terms of overall calorie spec, if you're looking at like logistically and statistically, it doesn't really matter because the calories, peppers don't really have many calories. Hopefully that makes sense. It won't jack up your blood sugar levels because the primitive up your fiber and takes longer to digest and they're not like sugary stuff. Right. So hey, Kevin. Yeah. Do that? you ever do you ever do you ever fast? I don't really fast unless I'm pretty much traveling. That's usually the only times really kind of fast over there. So like I'm maybe in like I would dig fast and when I get to that destination, I would have like my meals over there so I have more calorie allotment later on. And I also could sleep a little there on the flight. That's usually the only times I really do fast. So got it. Yeah, that's more like a first thing. So, am I? Because all of my goals are to maximize muscle gain, choose well, or keep as much as possible can. So, fasting is almost more a little more challenging in that aspect. So, for my personal goal, not as great. Now, am I good to drink coffee in the morning? So, coffee, absolutely good. To drink coffee in the morning over there. Black coffee, that's what I recommend. I personally drink just black coffee, that kind of side of things. So, I'm not. I'm not really, I don't really know much about coffee anyways. Like I remember going to a couple of coffee shops even over here. And then, you know, do you want Americano? Do you want like espresso? Do you want this? And I was like, I just want black coffee. So I thought like, I didn't really know any of the differences. I, mean, I just want black coffee. That's it. That's what is giving me something paid for it. But yeah, coffee or in the morning, it's all right. So make sure just to match your coffee and take two as well. Be aware of that. So if you're taking coffee or drinking coffee, like a large one there, and they take them like more pre-workout later on to its wall. If it's like a 300 milligram scoop, they may take an energy later on. Like all those caffeine later up day can be a little problem itself overall. So I just be mindful of the overall caffeine intake in your whole day itself. All right. So maintaining proper weeks. Not sure this is not really a question wise or just a straight kind of line that this person put. So um define proper weights. I would say in this situation, I have to give a contact to that. Maybe it's that end goal weight. So I'm going to put that context on there because there's no specific kind of question to this. So when it comes to maintaining quote unquote proper weights, let's say when you hit your end weight loss goal, typically when you to get towards there, you have to do a certain amount of action in terms of getting down to my calories and also doing some amount of cardio and maybe like a step goal, which is that deficit you put yourself to get to that. So when you hit this proper weight, call it angle weights, you could actually back off or adjust a little bit of that stuff to go more maintenance because it, to get there, you're in a deficit, which is why you lost the weight to get that proper weight. So you could actually adjust the calories a little bit, lost the cardio, you could do a little less of that and steps overall too as well. Now you can just adjust it all the way back to other end of the spectrum, otherwise you gain weight. So it's kind of like a little balance of like, okay, I might take or do a little less cardio. Maybe you're doing let's say 25 minutes on the stairs for it. Maybe it's like 15 now to maintain that proper weight. Maybe you were eating, I don't know, like 2,000 calories to get the proper weight. So maybe you could do like 20 to 50 
calories now, and then when for your step goal, maybe you have like, I don't know, 12,000, maybe you do like 10,000 now, right? So it's all like small, you know, my investments and kind of play around with the number two as well. And those like the calories, steps, and cardio, you can't just like jack them all up or just do no cardio. Otherwise, it's going to gain back the weight because that deficit now is going to be in a surplus. You want to just be in that maintenance mode. That's a lot of adjusting. And that's what I do on my end. That's why people who do have that proper weight are kind of adjusting over there, play around with all these numbers. I'm not just going to jack everything up on the other side itself or take away the cardio. Otherwise, you can gain put on that bat once again. And well, guess what? You're, you're pretty much just lost that progress and get a call, right? So hopefully that makes sense in this context because I didn't get a specific question and the proper weight didn't have that contextual, I guess, word. All right. So how do much do arms respond, not just bicep, tricep trading, but also arm involvement, such as back where they're all involved. So I'm going to give this in more of like a statistical numbers. So let's just say this 12 to 20 sets per muscle per week is that sweet spot. Now, if you had six back or not six back exercise, three exercise on the back with two sets, which is six sets on the back. So I'm going to count those six sets as three sets towards your directly to your bicep training, right? So again, now three on, let's say a Monday, yeah, three on a Thursday, it's six sets of the back web, like I, that I calculate towards bicep training. That's why you typically not going to see as much direct bicep volume is because basically every back set counts as half of a bicep set, right? Because you're using a lot of your bicep or quite a bit of that in there. So that's why I'm not just going to jack you up for your bicep training volume that directly, let's say that 12 sets of direct bicep training, otherwise, or 20 sets of that direct one, because that's going to be way too much, right? So I count them as the half sets over there on that kind of aspect, right? That's something I learned through the couple of courses I did, not for the podcast to listen to. It be a very common theory to really kind of match that one. So I want to give this a contextual kind of advice or kind of for people listening to easier understand, even like chest exercises. So let's say you had, let's go like nine, let's say nine tests, sets per, and you're doing that twice a week. So you have a push day Monday and you have a push day Thursday. You have nine chest sets on Monday, nine chest sets on the Thursday. Now I got to count that as four and a half at tricep on the Monday and four and a half tricep on the Thursday. So that's nine total for there. So your tricep volume also is going to be a little bit lower for your direct one on those push days to his wall, right? So you might see like, like the two exercise, the two sets each, or like three or two exercise, three sets each or something like that kind of puts you in that zone on that kind of aspect. I thought that they even have them a wee bit lower just because some people want to really emphasize the chest, let's say to grow that one more, to want to give that more of the proper or more stainless kind of over there. But also we want to make sure our body's more recovered, especially if it's over there too as well, we can't recover all the muscles and give it, let's say a you know, full 20 sets or like a full like 12 on that kind of end of the direct kind of volume on that side. We have to kind of pull from a few places for you to emphasize the muscle growth in a specific kind of area, especially while in that deficit, right? So because it's all the energy balance kind of perspective too as well, a lot of unique little small thing itself we could do and manipulate in the training program to maximize results and also handle or grow specific parts and emphasize them more. That's also why for me personally right now too as well, I only do legs the once a day per week itself, just because of my bodybuilding side of things. I missed the weight cap for my height cap or men's physique right now. And it's all judged pretty much on the upper body 
and I have decent enough legs in that aspect. So I have to, or my or has to basically almost like maintain legs and grow that body a little bit more so I could win my pro card in my sport, in my category, because of what the conditions are around it. It's something new. And they put a weight category on my division. Before they did not, so I was doing twice a week because I wanted to grow my old body more. But now, just small little things I can adjust to, but also allow my upper body or my more muscles to recover a little bit better and also hit my certain muscle groups a little bit more frequently itself and progress a little bit better in the upper body. So it's like it's very specific on the training side of things, and I like playing around with all that to maximize all the areas and also tailor towards specific goals. All right, so. Thanks for tuning in to the Lose the Gut podcast. If you got value from this one and really learned something, I'd want to take it one further step forward so you can lose the gut and finally get your abs. Just DM me on Instagram at KevinWoo underscore the words gut and we can have a conversation to see if how to help you out. Cheers.